Here we go, Beth. Yeah. Here we go. Well, I can't see you all now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so lovely to be with you all tonight. Um, this is my first Zoom call doing a talk over it. So I'm feeling a bit nervous. Um, if I seem a little bit different, it's just because I'm probably overthinking a bit. But it's lovely to, to share with you. We're carrying on this week um, on the Sermon on the Mount. Tony did the first and the third, Mel did the second, and tonight is week four. Um, the passage that Tony has asked me to share on is Matthew 6, 1 to 4, and Matthew 6, then 19 to 24. I'm going to read those shortly, but just want to give you um, a brief introduction. Jesus had um, just begun his public ministry before he he shared and taught his disciples on the mount. And we see in Matthew 4, verse 17, and I'm going to read it. Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was inviting everyone he encountered, he came across, to repent, to turn to him and for his kingdom to come in them and through him, through them. I love Bill Johnson. He, 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 I'm going to quote what he said. It always challenges me with the word repent because the word repent means to change the way you think. And, and this quote is, God is not opposed to the mind, but to the unrenewed mind. That's why Jesus kept saying repent, repent, because it starts in our minds. It's our minds that war all the time with him, with his kingdom, with his values. So I just thought that was a good thought. So Holy Spirit, come now as we, as we listen and as I talk and come and grant us the gift of repentance so that we may change the way we think in the very areas that you want us to. We want your kingdom to come tonight in our thinking. We want to be transformed through Jesus by your words, so that we can release it to the people, the community, the city, and the world around us. So come, come Holy Spirit. I'm going to read the verses from the Passion Translation. I was very um, blessed to get the Passion Translation as a gift my birthday last year. So I just love the, the choice of words that they've used in this translation. So it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And then I'll read the next bit. Examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off when you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others. Otherwise, you will lose the reward of your heavenly Father. So when you give to the poor, don't announce it and make a show of it just to be seen by people, like the hypocrites in the streets and in the marketplace. They've already received their reward. But when you demonstrate generosity, do it with a pure, do it with pure motives and without drawing attention to yourself. Give secretly, and your father who sees all that you do will reward you openly. 
and then verse 19. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will hate you will have to hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. I just love some of the choice of words, which just helps our minds to really begin thinking, hey, unraveling. Right. Okay, we're going to have a sip of water now. <laughs> Sorry. From these verses, we can see Jesus was teaching his disciples and us that how we handle our possessions, our wealth, and our money will actually reveal who we value, who we cherish, and who we treasure. And then in turn, will reveal what we value. It could also work the other way. What we value will reveal who we truly cherish or who we truly treasure. If you were said to do a study on the word treasure, it comes from the Greek word theosaurus, and we know a dictionary is a theosaurus, so it's a storeroom for valuables. So we can see already that to treasure someone or something, we place great value on it and in it. And this will draw the allegiance of our hearts. It will draw our affection and it will draw our devotion. And ultimately what, what it is doing, it's drawing our worship. And we will then begin to fear the one that we value, the one that we treasure and cherish. There was, in the first four verses, Jesus used the word father twice. So I wanted to look at the theme of giving and how we handle our money and our wealth, just through encouraging you once again to look at it as a child to a father and what that does and how that affects our giving. Now, Jesus in these verses, when, I, when he used the word father, to me, it was almost like he was saying, my kingdom is led by a king, but the king is a father. And you need to know your father. And if you know your father, you will know his values and you will just live his values. So I know from doing a little bit of study, um, no, I'm not a, I don't like to study a lot of psychology, but I know that a father figure or a father settles our identity, our provision and our protection, settles those issues for us. And so for me, I just, I felt that if we value 
and cherish God as our father, it will settle our identity. Um, we will truly then know that we are sons and daughters. And if we know that we are sons and daughters, we will know that we belong. We don't have to work hard. We don't have to perform to earn God's attention or his approval. When we know truly that we belong, then we are secure. And then giving will change because if I know I'm his daughter, I've seen my father, how he provides me, how he gives to me, how he blesses, how, how he, he's merciful and kind, it will just change me. And then I'll be able to, to give without wanting a reward. I'll be able to give in secret without needing man's recognition or man's approval because I know then that my father, my papa, my dad or my dad, he truly approves of me. He affirms me. I have it. I have it already. Um, if we know, we pursue a relationship with God to know him as a father, it will also settle our provision. Now we know from having earthly fathers that they tried their very best to provide for us every single day. They, I don't remember as a child ever thinking, I'm not going to get something to eat. How much more does our Heavenly Father take care of us every day? There are so many other scriptures that indicate this. But I'm sure you have testimonies. And I know I have, and we're going to share those testimonies later. We know that God has taken care of us on a daily basis. He has provided us, provided for us. And when we're struggling, I encourage you, phone a friend, go gather those testimonies again because it will remind us that our father is our provider. The government is not our provider. God is our provider. He's our source. And I truly know that as we begin to settle this in our hearts, that our God, our father is taking care of my needs today. We will be able to be generous people, no matter what season we're in, no matter what circumstance, we will be able to be content in any season, we'll still be able to steward our money, our finances, our possessions well. We'll still be able to model to others what his excellence looks like. And that all comes from knowing him as a father. When we know God, Papa, as a father, it also settles our issues on protection. Now, I know that when I was much younger, I made some foolish decisions with my money and I got into some debt. I know my earthly father once again ran towards me and he said, Bethy, I, I want to help you. I'm, but we had a deal. I had to pay him back over time. And I just, for me, my dad protected me in that season. And how much more, if we know God is a father, when we sometimes make foolish decisions with our money, with our finances or with our wealth. He runs to us. He runs to us and he covers our shame. He doesn't take away what we've done. He just covers us and says, my child, I'm with you. I'm going to walk you through this one. And I know that once again, as we, as we repent and we change the way we think and we turn to him, we are aware 
that he is with us in these struggles, in our debt, and he urges us on. Keep going, my child. Keep going, my daughter. This too will pass. Keep going on. And I know from that experience for me with my own children now, when they get into struggles with their finances, I truly know that I want to cover them. I want to cover them. And I believe as we experience God as a father covering us in our struggles, we will be able to cover others that are going through similar struggles and truly reveal to them a good father. In verses um, 19 to, to 21, we see that if we know God as a father, from cherishing him, from spending time with him, we will truly know what he loves, what he values. I mean, I know when I was growing up by what my father had in the house or what he did when we were on our day, or my dad was an Anglican vicar and he took us out on his day off. I knew what my dad loved. I knew what he valued. He was, he was a man that he just wanted to be with the poor and he wanted to give away stuff. And I used to have memories of him driving, bending down at traffic lights and taking up sandwiches from underneath his seat and handing apples and sandwiches to the, I knew what my dad valued. How much more that when we spend time with our father, with Papa, we will know what he values and what he cherishes. And then we will then be able to invest our time and our energy into truly stockpiling or storing up the true riches that will never, ever lose their value. And I want us to talk about that in one of the questions as well. What are the true riches that we should be stockpiling? What are truly the things the values that God cherishes. I just felt over here to make a, a small comment. Um, Jesus in these verses 19 to 21, he was not saying that temporal things, earthly possessions, money and wealth are evil. Um, he knows we need to live in this world. And we must be careful, and I know, and I'll explain a bit later, that we must be careful not to, to have this escapist mentality, to see money as dirty and just to get rid of it, um, which will lead to recklessness, reckless spending or, or poor stewarding. Because God truly uses our possessions, our wealth, our money to release his kingdom. I mean, we've all got stories where God has used or bought people, deposited money. I have had, I can tell stories just now of God using people's money, possessions, riches to bless me so that I can speak about him. So his kingdom came into my life, my circumstances. And I think that's the thing is, it's that balance all the time by being good stewards, being generous, but not being enslaved to it, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Jesus was just through all these verses, just directing and encouraging them to truly value the one, to cherish his father, who was a good, who is a good, good father. But two more points to make before I want us to, to, to go into the breakout. I know for me, when I, I look at giving and generosity and money and possessions, 
and, and I look at it through the lens that we've been saying, knowing our Father God, cherishing and worshipping him. I know that so much cuts in on us, tries to steal our affection, tries to steal our devotion. And there are two things for me from this, this passage that to me I wanted to highlight that reveals what can cut in on us. And I must say the last week, just in preparing for this, um, I felt my attention and my affection just being pulled. And it was pulled, I don't know, he showed me it was my identity. I was struggling again with significance and it just took my devotion away from him. And I think it's so easy to become focused away from him. And then slowly but surely the relationship that he longs for us to have, because that's, that's the most important to our father, is relating to his children. Slowly that begins to wane. And then we start to get into behaviors or ways of thinking that are not helpful. So the one I wanted to look at is the religious spirit. Um, Jesus used the word hypocrite. Now, he used other words in the, in the New Testament when he talked about the Pharisees or the teachers of the Lord, whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers. Jesus used quite passionate language. And my heart, he was trying to, to, to show that what had bound these people, these, that they had been bound by a spirit that was blinding them. They had been taken captive and it affected their relationship with him and then with the people around them. And was leading to them, misleading the people around them. So for me, I did a bit of a study on the religion. Tony also covered a bit of it. So I just want to touch briefly and look at it, how it affects our giving and how we handle our, our wealth. So to me, this, this spirit is a very deceptive spirit. We don't even know. It, it catches up with our thinking. And it influences us to replace a genuine, devoted relationship with God, with works, and traditions, we end up then just following rules, ticking the boxes. Now, for me, I know I'm a person who likes to do things right. I'm a performer. So I have found over the years, the Holy Spirit will say, Bethy, are you just doing that? Just ticking the box? Are you listening? Are you bringing in my voice? You see, ticking the box, the thing, the principles are not wrong. They are good but without a relationship with God that can lead us away from him. So we need to guard ourselves from the religious spirit. Um, it influences our thinking, particularly when we are tired or weary after a really, really hard season. Or after a season where things are just too comfortable, we become too complacent and we become a bit slack. And he begins to cut in on us. And um, I know for me is that I end up then when I'm stuck or I'm tired, I want to just be left alone. I just slip into my habitual ways of giving. And um, that is the right. God, I've, I've made an agreement with you. I'm going to give 10% of my regular income. And that is, that's what I'm going to do. And then I just do it without thinking and going, Holy Spirit, is this, do you want me to give more? Do you want me to give? Where do you want me to give? Do you want to give over and above? And I think that's, it's so easy then just to, to slip into the motion of doing the right thing. I know when the religious spirit attacks or gets in our thoughts, 
tries to lock us into legalistic way of thinking. Um, and we become then very critical and judgmental of how others give or how others are stewarding their money. And I know for me, I grew up in a, in a country where there was extreme poverty and we just, there were beggars at every single traffic light. And I know for me, as I began then, I got so tired of seeing it, it, it began to annoy me because it was always demanding something of me. And I, and I it grieved me afterwards and the Holy Spirit would say, Bethy, what's happened to you? I would then begin to go, I'm not going to give to you because you're going to go and spend that on drugs or you're going to go. And, and, and it's so easy because it's, there is truth in that, but it's not for us to judge them because God knows their hearts. It's to say, Holy Spirit, give me compassion. Show me what you want me to do for this one in the here and the now. And so we need to just all the time have a conversation, move towards a relationship with God, with the Father, the Spirit, with Jesus, because that will cut in on that religious thinking. It's encountering his truth. Um, the other area for me, which is also a spirit, is, is when Jesus used the word mammon. And I know when I first read the scripture, I always thought mammon was money, but it's, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a deceptive spirit as well. And it personifies wealth and money. And it's so seductive and luring. And it seduces us to trust in our possessions, to trust in money, to trust in our wealth. And then ultimately to begin to deify it as, as a God. And then to, it draws our worship. And without realizing it, we're valuing it above God. We're cherishing it above God. We're giving it a voice in our lives. It's pointing us in a certain direction. Um, mammon is to me lustful and greedy. And it certainly appeals to our natural appetites. Um, Solomon wrote in, in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with its income. And isn't that so true? When we get lured by the spirit of mammon, it's insatiable. It just draws us. It claims to deserve things and acquire things on the basis of self, apart from a relationship with God. So it builds up the self. I need this. I deserve this. I need it. I deserve it. Um, and when we look, Jesus also mentioned, I think it was when he talked about the light, hey, um, this spirit of mammon blinds you. So you don't let his revelation light come into your thinking. Um, and it truly does stops you from looking up to him and looking out to see those around you that are genuinely needing his kingdom to come. It's because it always focuses on pride. And I don't know about you, but I, we, I think we've all in, in the course of our lives felt the lure of the spirit of mammon that tries to, to draw us to give, give it our devotion. And I know if we had to, to talk about it, and I don't know if it's one, I don't think it's going to be, going to be time in the question time, but it's certainly to me, it, it starves us. It cuts off our generosity. 
Um, and what happens is we end up working for money instead of money working for us. And I often have to say this to myself, Bethy, <laughs> are you working for money? And I get so anxious and overwhelmed some months. Or is money working for you? And once again, it reveals an identity. Hey, if God is my father, he's my provider on a daily basis, then I don't have to strive. Then I don't have to work for money. Money can work for me. In drawing to a close, um, I don't know if you've had struggles in, in the area of your wealth or your finances, but to me, what where this is all leading to is an encounter with God as a father, encounter with the spirit of truth. So let's close our eyes. Um, Papa, Father, we thank you that you are a good, good father. And as we sit here tonight, we are family. I'm so blessed to have family. Thank you that you call us your children and you settle tonight our identity again. And you affirm tonight again that you are our provider and you're the one who protects us. Father, where we have come into agreement with the lies of a religious spirit or the spirit of mammon, we repent. Will you show us in our own hearts and minds tonight if there are areas where we've been taken captive, where we've been enslaved, where we've been trapped? Will you show us what is your truth? Jesus, we need to know your truth. Holy Spirit, come and whisper your truth into our ear. Because we truly, truly want our hearts to be captured and captivated by you. We want to cherish you and value as the very first in our lives. We love you. Amen. How are you all doing? Doing very well, Beth. Thank you so much. That was uh, 